Thank you so much for that good song. Appreciate it. <clears throat> I'm thankful the songwriter said I'm learning to lean. Uh, I haven't graduated from that school yet. And uh, sometimes I'm slower to lean on him than I should be. Someone once asked the question, how big do your problems have to be before you take them to God? Some, uh, when we put it that way, it kind of makes it silly, doesn't it, sometimes? How long it takes us. But thankful that he understands that we're learning to lean and we're still in his school. If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Matthew, Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to do, uh, I'm gonna do something that, that might bother a few of you. Uh, we're just going to run right through the chapter break. All right, so uh, you forgive me if that drives you crazy. Um, the chapters were not inspired by God. It was done by a person riding horseback. So... Uh, I'm not saying the chapter break isn't a good place. I'm just saying it just doesn't work for the way we're going to preach this morning. So, <clears throat> Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 3. Um, we're going to start a new series this morning. I've never preached as many series anywhere as I have here. I don't know what it is, but um, I don't know if it's just that I'm just getting too deep into the scriptures or if uh, you all just take, are slower on the uptake, <laughs> that's not it. That's not it. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that's not it. Uh, I'm sure it's probably that uh, I'm just getting longer-winded, and I'm just realizing that in order to preach one sermon, it takes me three Sundays to do it. So <laughs> I'm going to... I figure you all didn't want to be here till two o'clock, so uh, we're going to try to we're going to try to break this up, and hopefully, um, and hopefully that it'll help us by spending a few days here, a few Sundays here. That hopefully it'll be a, a blessing and a help to us. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word, Matthew chapter three, and we're going to begin reading in verse sixteen, and we're going to go all the way down uh, to chapter four and verse eleven. All right, so chapter 3 and verse 16, and then we're going to go down to 4.11. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my son, beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up to a, the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, 
Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The temptations of Christ, we find a questioning of our identity, a questioning of our identity. Father, we ask that you would help us this morning. Lord, you know I'm a little out of practice. It's been a few weeks between revival and being away. But I know that the Holy Spirit is not out of practice this morning. So we ask this, that you would come, that you would anoint these, this uh, uh, broken earthen vessel, that you would fill me up with your spirit and with your presence and your help, that we might be able to rightly divide the word of truth. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. In February of 2008, that television talk show host that some of you may have heard of, Oprah, decided that she, uh, to have a, a program in which she had invited several of the test tube babies that had now grown up. In the 1980s, you may remember, that was new technology. That was something that was really exciting. And, and here, these young people were grown up, and she, she wanted to have them on so she could talk to them about what it was like to be a test tube baby. And they all begin to talk about how difficult it was to not know who they were. Their only identity was in their mother, and not knowing their father had left them with an emptiness and with a question. And some of them were seeking out siblings and trying to find out who their father was. And one lamented, he said, the only thing that I know about my father is that I was in tube number 46. It's the only thing I know. It's a hard thing to not know where you come from. On this day of all days, those that at least think they're Irish celebrate. And those of us who aren't Irish and don't have any Irishness, we celebrate anyways. Or maybe you don't celebrate even if you are Irish. I don't know. All I know is I can't wait to get over back to the parsonage because there is going to be corned beef and cabbage over there. And I can't smell it, but when I walk through that door, I know I will. And I'm looking forward to it. And if you're not having corned beef and cabbage this, this afternoon, I feel very sorry for you. <laughs> but as, I, as we think about who we are, it's an important part of us, isn't it? We, by, you go into the doctors and they ask you, Can you what about your family medical history? Who's, who, what, uh, did your grandfather have this? Did your parents have this? And, and, so, and, and for these individuals, they don't know. There's a disconnect. They don't know their heritage. They don't know the stories. They don't know about the family members that fought in wars for our freedom. They, so many things that they don't know. They could walk right beside a sibling, see them in the grocery store, and not even know the question of their identity. As young people grow up, they 
question their identity. Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? And, and there's, a, there's this battle that, that every teenager just has in their mind, and I think it's a good thing. I think sometimes these struggles that we, we mark them as bad things, struggles can be good things. You don't, you don't take a butterfly that's trying to get out of the cocoon and, and help it out, or you kill that butterfly. It needs to struggle. And our young people need that struggle. They need to wrestle with, with their gifts and with their passions and, and who they are in Christ. They need to wrestle with those things so that they can come out on the other side believing and firm in, what, uh, in who they are. And this phenomenon is so common and so, so well known that, that even Disney has gotten in on it. And their great classic Moana the grandmother asked the main character, Moana, she goes, in the song, she says, do you know who you are? And throughout it, Moana tries to answer it. She's wrestling with what her calling is, what she feels like her calling is. She's wrestling in this song, battling about what, what her father wants her to do and what the people need her to do and what she feels like she is calling inside of her. And finally, at the very end of the song, she pronounces, I am Moana. Disney has figured out that within the heart of every person, there's a question of who am I? Who am I? And I hope that for our older ones, I hope that you've come to, to a reality, you've come to a conclusion about who you are, but, but I believe with all my heart that, that Satan's temptation to us is to constantly get us to question who we are. Jesus has gone to the river. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. He's come out. The Holy Spirit is lighted upon him as a dove. There's a voice from heaven. God identifies who Jesus is. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God himself stated who Jesus was. Jesus heard it. And I want to say to you this morning that if you've been saved, if you've been to the river and you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that God the Father has made that same pronouncement over you. This is my son. This is my daughter. They're beloved. I love them. And I want you to know that I'm well pleased with them. That's our identity this morning. When we've called upon God for salvation, he's adopted us. We are his own. I'm already feeling good. I might be out of practice, but the Holy Spirit isn't this morning. Hallelujah. We are His. We are His. Jesus comes up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit does a funny thing. We skip over this part, but I think this is important. As soon as this happens, the Holy Spirit takes Jesus and leads him into temptation. What? Doesn't Jesus tell, teach us to pray, uh, lead us not into temptation? What is the Holy Spirit doing here? None of us want to be led into temptation. In fact, we want to be led out of temptation. I don't want to be tempted I hope you don't want to be tempted. I don't go hanging around the places that are going to tempt me to fall. 
I do my best to avoid the places and the people and, and the, the uh, situations that are going to tempt me. But guess what? It, even with all of that avoidance, temptation still comes daily. And maybe, perhaps, if we were really aware of it, there may not even be a moment we're not facing temptation. Constantly, the enemy is, is near. And so, why is it that the Holy Spirit is leading Jesus into temptation? Because God understands that a faith that can't be tested cannot be trusted. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And your faith this morning that you have in God, we need it to be tested so that we can rely on it in the hard times and the difficult places. And then Jesus needs to go through this temptation. He needs to go through this time so that we can see, that we can know That in the midst of our temptation, we can be victorious also. Jesus led the way for us. Now, I just told you just a few moments ago that God the Father says who Jesus is. He identifies who Jesus is. But what does Satan do? Now, wait a minute. I'm going to get ahead of myself. we got to talk about the fact that that. Here, Matthew uses the word devil. The Greek word is diablo. And that word is, is interesting. It's interesting that this is the word that, that Matthew uses for, the, for Satan in this particular passage. It's important for us to understand this passage. Diablo means the slanderer. The slanderer. He's the one who comes along and he tries to slander God to us. What did he say to Eve? He says, did God really say that? And God knows that, that you won't die. He slanders God to us. But I want you to know he slanders us to God too. He's the accuser of the brethren. And when Job is, a, is living righteous and Job is living holy before Almighty God, doing the best he can, Satan goes up and he begins to slander Job, he says, he only serves you because you give heavenly handouts. I want you to know this morning, you can't trust that slanderer. You can't trust him. He's the father of all lies. And, and I've just gotten to the place that if Satan says it, I just understand that it's got to be the opposite. I don't even know if Satan could tell the truth if he wanted to. Even when he uses scripture, even when he uses the truth, he uses it to slander God and to try to trip us up. I don't think Satan could tell the truth if he wanted to. But here comes Satan, the devil, the slanderer. Jesus is hungry. Forty days without food will make you hungry. If you're a teenage boy, it's 40 minutes. I know I've got two of them. <laughs> but Jesus is 40, 40 days. And do you know what hunger does to you? It makes you irritable. 
The young people these days, they've got a, they've got a term for it. They call it hangry. It's a combination of the word hungry and angry. They're hangry. Forty days and forty nights will make a person hangry. <laughs> or if you're a teenage boy, forty minutes. Jesus is hungry. He's been in the wilderness. I wonder how well he slept. Did, I don't know that he brought his camping equipment with him. I suspect that he probably didn't know that he was going to be going to the wilderness right after coming out of the water. I suspect that he brought only his, his clothes. So he's been sleeping with a rock as his pillow like Jacob. He's been, he didn't pack any blankets, I suppose. I'm just guessing here this morning based on the passage. And he's sleeping out in the wilderness and you know it's one thing to sleep in the wilderness when you know it's safe, but when you are out in the wilderness and you hear every noise, he's probably not sleeping very well. Between being hungry, the noises of the wilderness, and the loneliness of 40 days without anyone to talk to, he's vulnerable. He's as vulnerable as a person can be. And here comes the devil. Satan knows when we're vulnerable, young people and older people. He knows when we're vulnerable. And we better figure out when we're vulnerable. We need to know when our weak points are so that we can be sure to fortify ourselves in those times. Here comes the enemy. He sees that Jesus is weak. He sees that he's tired. And here's his question. And this is important. This is very important, I believe. If thou be the Son of God. And it's the question that Satan is asking us every single day. If you be a child of God, if you're a son of God, if you are a daughter of God, this is the temptation for all of us, constantly questioning whether God loves us, whether God's provision to protect us and his, his care and his love, if all of those things are available to us. It's the slanderer coming to get us to, to, to slander God and for, to slander us against God. If thou be the son of God. If thou be. And here comes the first temptation. If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Now, I'll be honest with you this morning, Satan's never tempted me to do that. And I suppose he's never tempted you to turn stones into bread. There have been times I've been hungry enough, I probably would if I could have. But what's the temptation here? What's the temptation? What is wrong with Jesus turning stones into bread? What is the, what, what, what's the difficulty here? Uh, you know, and some would argue, well, it's, he's using his power for himself. Yeah, I, I can kind of see an argument there. I, 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 but didn't Jesus walk on the water so that he could get to his disciples? I mean, he kind of used that for himself. 
What is, what's the issue here? I believe it's this. He's trying to get Jesus to get his identity, not from the voice of God, but from what he does. And here's our challenge this morning. Do we get our identity from what we do? You know, there's a real temptation, I think, it's especially for men, but I think more and more as our culture has changed, it's, it's, it's becoming a temptation for women as well. When we introduce ourselves, we introduce ourselves with our name and occupation, don't we, men? So oftentimes we do. In fact, when we would have guests come, while I was in Oregon, guest speakers and so forth, that over and over our, our uh, professor would say to us, they'd say, identify who you are and where, what your ministry is. As if somehow what I do identifies who I am. You know how silly that really is? Because you know what? There have been jobs that I have that I'm really, I hope they don't identify who I am. They were jobs that were to get me from, from where I was to where I wanted to be, which was in the ministry where God had called me to do. And so while I was in high school, I flipped burgers for McDonald's. I'm a burger flipper. Is that a part of my identity because that's what I did? Maybe. Really? You know, I loaded boxes at UPS. Is that who I am? Because that's how I paid for my education and ministry? I don't think so. Is who I am a pastor? I don't think it is. I mean, yes, it's what I do. It's what God's called me to do. But is it really who I am? If, if for some reason the Lord would cause me to have a heart attack and I had to leave the ministry, does that change who I am because I'm no longer a pastor? And yet, it's how we identify ourselves. And we live in a world that defines people by what they do. I've got people here that, that like sports. How often have you heard the phrase, what have you done for me lately? The athlete's making millions of dollars to hit a ball, and he's tweaked his back, or he's gotten old, or, or whatever the case might be, and he's no longer hitting home runs, but he's still collecting that paycheck. And what happens? The fans get mad. Not because that per of who that person is, it's because of what that person is doing or what they're not doing. And so we've come into a culture, we live in a culture where Satan has convinced us to identify ourselves by what we do rather than who God says we are. How heartbreaking. How heartbreaking. And you know what? It's crept into our churches. It's crept into our churches. I saw a post just, I believe it was earlier this week, someone had posted on Facebook that the great Leonard Ravenhill, who I have a lot of respect for, I don't say this to bash him, but this is what he said. A preacher is not worth a dime until he's, pr he's prayed two hours every day. 
Unless he pray, prays two hours every day, the preacher's not worth the dime. You're overpaying me. I just want you to know that, according to Ravenhill. I have not been able to accomplish two hours a day in prayer. I wish I could. I wish I could, but I, I'll be honest with you, with all the responsibilities and with the calling of God has placed on my heart for education and so forth, I can't pray two hours a day. I just don't have that ability in the control of my schedule and probably the self-discipline to spend that much time in prayer. Does that mean that I'm not worth the dime because Leonard Ravenhill says I'm not? As much as I respect him, as much as I uh, uh, appreciate his ministry and his life, Leonard Ravenhill is wrong to put on someone something that is not in the Scriptures. I do believe God would help us, and I think he'd help me to do better if I could pray that long. I think it would be a blessing and a help, but God also remembers that we're but dust. And he understands the limits on the body, and he understands the limits on maturity and ability. And you know what's amazing to me is everybody's got their niche little thing. There's some people who say that if you're not fighting for, for uh, racial equality, then you're not a Christian. If you're not fighting for this or that or the other thing, you've got it. And it's always their pet thing, the thing that they're called to do. You know, I've even heard missionaries come. If you're not a missionary, even to, to your community, you're not a Christian. Folks, it's not what we do. It's who God says we are. I'm going to have to get somewhere where I don't want to have to go, but I have to do it to help us to understand how much this has crept in. It's gotten to the place where we've identified ourselves as saved or sanctified by our standards. Folks, you can have every standard in the book and be full of hell in your heart. You can have your, your sleeves right, your hair right, your skirts right, or your pants right, or this right and that right, and you can just go down the line of all the rules and regulations. You can even make up extra ones. You can have every standard there is. And folks, you know I believe in the standards. You know that if you've been here, if you've attended here very long, you know that I believe in them. I live them out. But folks, it isn't our standards that identifies who we are in Christ. And we need to be careful in this regard. We need to be so careful. Because there are good, godly people who haven't gotten the light in some of the things that God's shown us. And we've got to be really careful that we don't cast them out. Folks, we can't use Satan's tactic of believing that a person is who they are based on what they do. Now, I'm not talking about... Now, I know what's going to go through some of your minds. Ah, 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 yes, yes. But, but if, we, if we disobey God, then, then, you're not a Christian, right? Folks, I don't believe it's that way. This is the way I believe it. If you disobey God, you have already separated yourself. It takes a separation to disobey. 
You have to lose your identity. You have to choose to reject your identity in order to be able to go out and disobey. But here's where it gets really sticky. You can obey and have your obedience 100% and still not be a Christian. The elder brother in the story of the prodigal son was exactly that. What did he say? I followed everything you've ever told me. I've done everything you've ever said. If you told me work, I've worked. But was the prodigal, was the elder brother, was he right in his heart? His obedience was 100%. But his identity is not wrapped up in what he does. It's in who God says he is. There is a separation between the father and between the elder brother. A separation, even though their obedience was 100%. And so we become challenged this morning. We become challenged because so oftentimes that we've, it's been made about what we do. It's been sanctification and salvation have been always about what we do. And we have to understand that it isn't about those things. What we do is an outcropping. It should become, it flows out of who we are. What we do should flow out of who we are. Here's... It's amazing. There's a there's a, a a different test that you can take, and, and in fact, someone just sent me one yesterday about finding out what what kind of person you are, what kind of what what kind of what kind of work that that brings spark to your life. They asked me, "Would you take the test?" I took the test, and guess what? He says that my my the things that bring spark to me is advising, helping people through difficult situations. I said, "I knew that already." They said the, thing, the other thing that, that you are that, 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 uh, that, that helps this along, your number two thing is that you're a learner. You like to learn things so that you can better guide people. I said, yeah, that's me. I guess I passed the test. <laughs> that's who God made me to be, but guess what's happened? The work that I've chosen, the life calling that God has given me has flown out, uh, flowed out of who God made me to be. It isn't the other way around. I didn't t- uh, you don't take this test based on what you do. You take it based on who you are and what gives you joy and what brings you, brings you energy. God knew that he created me for this uh, kind of work and it, has, and it flowed out of it. And the things that you do, the life that you live, the life of holiness that you walk cannot come out of, 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 of uh, oh, I've got to do this if I'm going to be sanctified. I've got to do this if I'm going to be saved. No, it's got to flow out. I'm a child of the king, and a child of the king wants to do this. Our identity, our identity doesn't come on based on what we do. It's not on the choices we make. It's not based on how hard we work. And folks, this, is, this can be a real challenge. And here's why this is a dangerous thing for us to fall into this. It be, because we become slaves to work. We become slaves to work. We get our worth and our our reputation and our value out of what we do. But here's the question. Is it enough? 
Is it enough? I, you, you, put, you put in eight hours of volunteer at the church this week. Is it enough or should you have done 10 or 20 or 100? Oh, you, your, your standards are here, but, but is it enough? Maybe your standards should be over here somewhere. Is it enough? And constantly you have to answer the question, is it enough? And there's no answer. There's no answer to that question. You don't know. Folks, that's not salvation through faith. It's salvation by works. It's a salvation of doing enough good things to overcome all the bad things. And the thing is, you can't ever do enough good to counterweight all that you've done. This is a losing proposition. It's slavery. And all of Satan's temptations lead to slavery. Did I do enough? Did I give enough time? Is God pleased with me with, with what I've done? Folks, it's all right to ask God if he's pleased with us, if he wants to, to, to lead us into more st uh, standards or, or maybe even away from some things that, that maybe aren't helpful. It's all right to ask God if he wants to change any of our actions, but it's got to come not from trying to do enough to earn God's approval, but it's to, out of the love of God that you want to please him. If thou be the son of God, you'll do this, and you'll do that, and oh, you'll do this too, and this too, and guess what happens? You get overwhelmed and you get, throw up your hands and quit and say, you know what, I can't do enough. I can't ever get God's smile of approval. I can never, I'll never hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because I can't do enough. And the slavery will cost you your identity. Our identity doesn't come from what we do. Our identity comes from who God says we are. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Let's stand together this morning. Father, I don't know who needed to hear this message this morning more than I needed to hear it. Sometimes, we just, Lord, we just get so busy doing and doing and doing and sometimes we forget even why we're doing it. Our schedules are so busy that we don't take time to, to just be with you. We just we go through the motions. We go through. We fulfill our duty, uh, you know, our, and and the joy of being a Christian can can be robbed of us because we're just doing Christianity instead of being Christians. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to identify when Satan is whispering in our ears that you are what you do. And Lord, for us to reject that lie, to reject the enemy, and that we would live, as Jesus said, by the word of God. And the word of God tells us whether we are or whether we're not the children of God. Father, I ask that you'd help us to be vigilant and careful. And Lord, if there be any here that, that are not new in you, if they are not uh, your child, 
that, Father, that you would not allow the enemy to confuse them with all the do's and don'ts, but, Lord, that they would fall in love with you. Amen. For you love them beyond all measure. We ask these divine favors in your precious name. Amen.